0: got 20 minutes then you have time for a Bible study Jesus
1: name above all names I worship you Jesus worthy to be praised
0: I you. Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Romans 10:17 says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Over the next 20 minutes, you're going to hear an important message directly from God's Word and have your faith and knowledge increased. All you have to do is listen. Now, here are your teachers. Hello, everybody. I'm Jordan Pine. And I'm Andy Baylock.
1: Welcome to another episode of 20-Minute Bible Studies. Today we're going to revisit a classic tool that evangelists have been using for decades. A walk through the book of Romans called the Romans Road. This road was designed to take sinners through the
2: basics of spiritual salvation. It's very useful for that purpose, but we'd like to look at it carefully with an eye toward kingdom truths as well. Let's
0: listen now to the Word of God. Five readings from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans. This is the Romans' road. Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5.8, But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10:9 If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. And finally Romans 5:1 Therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word.
1: It's important to take out of the Bible what was put into it by its authors, men writing under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, rather than reading into the Bible what we want it to say. That's why we created the SPACE method. SPACE is a
2: helpful acronym that reminds us to consider the speaker SP, audience A, and the context C of a Bible passage before attempting an E, the explanation. So the speaker in the Book of Romans is obviously the Apostle Paul. The audience are the members of the church in Rome, Jews and Christians led by two heroes of the Book of Acts, Aquila and Priscilla. The context of the Book of Romans is that God had prevented Paul from going to Rome, so we hadn't been able to pastor this church in person. Now this is relevant and great for us today because Romans is a comprehensive summary of everything the Apostle Paul Would teach new churches in person. And that's also why the Romans Road is so powerful. It spells out exactly what the Christian faith is all about.
1: Yeah, to your point, Andy, it's as if, you know, Paul wanted to put into one letter everything that he would have loved to have been able to say to the Romans, but that wasn't God's plan for him to go there. He had been to many other places and probably given variations of this, uh, let's call it a seminar, you know, an early church seminar about the fundamentals. And since he wasn't able to go there, and maybe it's because, you know, uh, God prevented that because they already had such great um, leaders there, but uh, he wanted to kind of just get it all down into one, into one book, his uh, PowerPoint for his seminar, if you will. Obviously, God's plan was for us to have this as well so that we could essentially hear the lectures uh, that Paul would have given. So to paraphrase what the Romans road teaches, number one, God's standard is perfection and no one is perfect. Number two, that means no one is good enough to earn their way into heaven, very important, and heaven being God's presence. You know, death is inevitable and separation from God is inevitable. Except God gave us a gift. He gave us a way to defeat death and to be with God. Number three, although we didn't do anything to deserve it, God loves us, so he sent his son to live a perfect life for us and to die for us, then defeat death by rising again. And four, if you believe this, then you can be with God after you die instead of being separated from him. And if you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you will receive rewards in that afterlife. And that's key. Because the Bible uses such
2: words as sin, death, and wages or penalties, people tend to get hung up on the fairness of it all. For instance, critics might say, well, how could God send people to hell just for being born? or for just being human, that's not fair. But that misses the point. That's why in the paraphrased version of the Romans road that we just presented, we talked about perfection and imperfection
1: and also separation from God. Yes, Andy, that's a great point. God is perfect and holy and he cannot be in the presence of imperfection or let's call it uncleanliness. As a result, we cannot be in his presence without some way of getting clean. And Jesus was that way. And I use a uh, capital W when I say that because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I just want to comment on the, the
2: question that I said that critics often have regarding humanity and being born and our relationship to sin. Jordan, a key fact to consider is whether a person believes in God or not, he still exists and his will shall be done. Our choice as humans when we hear this is, Do we believe and follow god to know him or do we
1: ignore rebel and sin against him yeah and that answer can be found in romans 1 18 to 21 where paul speaks to all men since the creation of the world as having evidence of god's existence and his righteous attributes sealed within our hearts there are no excuses for our sins they are our choice once we recognize
2: ourselves as sinners We can either choose to believe God for his mercy on us, or we can lavish in sin and then have to suffer the consequences.
1: Another way to look at this basic concept, Andy, is to think of sin as a genetic disease. And I like to use this analogy. You know, as we know, children can inherit genetic diseases from their parents. In cases where both parents have a bad gene, all children of those parents are going to have that particular disease, if you recall from your days in high school biology which means that all children of those children are going to have the disease, and so on down the line for all generations. So how did the original parents get that disease? Well, one way could be contact with something that mutated their genes. Incidentally, this is how evolutionary biologists believe we got different species. Some mutating agent, let's say radiation, altered genes. Those mutations turned out to be beneficial, and those creatures survived while others died out. Of course, beneficial mutations are quite rare, which is a major criticism of evolutionary theory. Negative mutations, which tend to cause early death, are much more common. If you come into something radioactive, the effect on your genes probably won't be too good. But let's say you live and have children with a person who also came into contact with that radioactive thing. All your kids will be born with your bad genes. Now, let's say we're talking about Adam and Eve. The radioactive thing is the fruit of the tree that God said they shouldn't eat. They ate it anyway, their genes mutated, and now every child that comes from their bloodline has that mutation, that is, everybody on earth. Let's call the mutation sin, and let's call the negative effect of that mutation death. Before Adam and Eve ate the radioactive thing, their cells did not deteriorate. After they ate it, they damaged their cells, causing them to deteriorate slowly over time leading to death, and that's called senescence in science, by the way. Because every person comes from Adam and Eve, every person on earth has this death-causing genetic disease. And to stretch the analogy a little bit, we can think of Jesus as God's cure for that disease. This cure cost him dearly, and yet he offers it to everyone at no cost. The cure is free. All anyone has to do is take it. Now let's talk about fairness again, Andy. If you have a genetic disease you got from your parents, and a great philanthropist comes up with a costly cure that he offers to you for free, and you refuse to accept the gift, is it fair to blame him if you die from that disease? Of course not. But wow, Jordan, let me tell you, I love this analogy by you. And as
2: a story about an ultimate and perfect sacrifice to save mankind from extinction and all its problems, amazing. And then, of course, we see here that the sacrifice gives his life and every drop of his uncontaminated blood would save the world. You know, it it inspires me to want to sit down with you and begin writing a series of books that we could create into movies so the whole world can enjoy and get a taste of how loving and powerful and awesome the sacrifice is. Oh, wait, that was already done by God himself, so we wouldn't miss a beat. That collection of books is called the Holy Bible, the entire New and Old Testaments. And again, sorry for the sarcasm, but your analogy really should hit home with everyone. You know, it seems like almost every sci-fi movie tries to mimic the story of salvation for mankind without even mentioning Jesus Christ as the protagonist. And that's really so sad. So, okay, moving on. Let's break down the Romans road. And I'll read that for our listeners. It's Romans 3.23 for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God.
1: Prior to this verse in Romans 3, 19, 20, Paul argues, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed, and all the world may become accountable to God. Because by the works of the law, none of mankind will be justified in his sight. For through the law comes knowledge of sin. In other words, as we said earlier, No one is good enough to meet God's standard of perfection or earn their way into God's presence. God made this clear when he gave his law to mankind because it quickly became obvious that no one could follow the law perfectly. Thus, the purpose of the law was to help people realize their imperfection, to realize that they and everyone else fall short of God's standard and aren't worthy of God in the end.
2: And we know this to be fact, Jordan, because the Bible itself tells us that God is not a man that he should lie. And people recognizing that we are all sinners is just the start of wanting to seek and follow God for a way out of our condemnation. That way is only in Jesus Christ. Now, once we recognize that we are forgiven for all sin through Jesus— We then are instructed in Scripture to forgive others as we have also been forgiven. And of course, this process is how we maintain our walk in God's righteousness. So keeping that in in mind, let's move on now to Romans 6, verse 23, which I will read. For the wages of sin is death, but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord.
1: Yes, you know, words develop connotations and emotions attached to them. So again, you know, to get past the whole fairness thing, it's important to think of death here as separation from God. It's really that simple. You're either with God in his presence or you're separated from him. And of course, God cannot be in the presence of sin. Or if it helps, think of death as that genetic disease that I talked about earlier. And realize just how gracious God was in giving us that gift of a cure for our disease. And now let's go deeper and remember what eternal life actually means in the Greek. It doesn't mean immortality. It doesn't even mean getting into heaven or getting to go to heaven, I should say. Although that's part of it, of course. It literally means age-lasting life, which implies that we have the ability to live in the kingdom age, in the kingdom of Christ Jesus, even to rule and reign with King Jesus if we're found worthy. Amen, Jordan.
2: So the key to consider to the Roman road is accepting that we are completely forgiven and thus forgiving all others for their sins against us. It has to be a two-way street. If we can appreciate what God has done for us, we should be able to reciprocate that unconditional love to others as well so that we set a standard of righteousness and truly be Christ-like, which is what the word Christian means. So moving on now, let's look at Romans chapter 5 verse 8, and it reads but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us.
1: Yeah, this is an amazing verse, Andy. And you know, before writing this, the Apostle Paul builds up to it quite nicely. He points out that it would be hard to find anyone who would give their life for another person. Maybe, just maybe, you or I would agree to die for a good person who deserved to live. Let's say a wonderful mother or grandmother. But Jesus demonstrated God's love, which is agape, total, unconditional, undeserved love, by dying for bad people who didn't deserve it. Now you can have two reactions to this claim. The first, that deep, dark thing I once did, it's so bad, there's no way this applies to me. God could never forgive me. But the claim Paul is making is, yes, Jesus died for you too, and God will forgive you. He died for every kind of sinner imaginable, thieves, cheaters, even murderers. I mean, look at Paul himself, who, when he was Saul, did some of the worst things imaginable to the early Christians. The other reaction you may have is, look, I'm a pretty good person. I don't feel like I'm this horrible sinner who needed someone to die for me. But then you must go back and dwell on Romans 3.23. No one can meet the standard of perfection that God represents. And because of the genetic disease that Adam and Eve gave to humanity, no one is born without that sin. Or just go and read the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus explains just how high God's standard really is.
2: Jordan, the Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew chapters 5-7, to are something that we Christians, who are seeking the highest rewards from Jesus Christ, need to read and live out daily. The Beatitudes alone speak of being persecuted for following the righteous Christian path, and then what the rewards are that follow if you if you do become persecuted for them. And I'll just list a couple. And, and we see those Beatitudes in the beginning of Matthew chapter 5. For our mourning of Christianity, we will be comforted. The, the gentle or humble Christian will inherit the earth. The, the hungry Christian who is hungry for righteousness and thirsty for righteousness will be satisfied. The merciful Christian will receive mercy. The pure in heart Christian will see God. The peacemakers will be called sons of God, which is higher than just being a child of God. And then the persecuted will receive the kingdom of heaven and their reward in heaven will be great. So we see here, once we acknowledge our salvation through Jesus, we follow his word and we follow his examples in order to attain to a higher position in his future kingdom. So moving on from there, let's go to Romans chapter 10, verse 9. And that verse reads, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved.
1: We did a whole lesson on this verse because it can get a little confusing. And many questions arise, such as, isn't this verse saying you must confess with your mouth to be saved? What if you believe but don't say a prayer or tell anyone about it? Are you still saved? And the short answer, of course, is yes, you're still saved. The long answer is in that lesson that we did, which is titled, Confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, if you want to look it up in the archives. Another question, isn't confessing with your mouth doing something? I thought the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 2.9 that salvation is by faith without works. You don't have to do anything. Is this verse contradicting that verse? And of course, the short answer is, of course not. The long answer is in that same 20-minute Bible study I mentioned, and, and, I, and I hate to keep putting it off, but it would take a whole other lesson to, to address these questions. So if you have these questions in your mind, I strongly recommend that you give that episode a listen. Again, it's called Confess With Your Mouth, Believe in Your Heart. And at the end of the show, we'll tell you more about how to get to our free archive that contains the lesson, or to contact us, in fact, if you want to email in and request the episode be sent to you. For now, Andy, perhaps you can give a a short version of that long answer just to kind of close this out? Sure, Jordan. The words will be saved is Paul the Apostle speaking of another future
2: salvation that Jesus will offer to all Christians at the Bema Seat of Christ if they showcase their gratitude for the free gift of everlasting life. And they do this by confessing and telling the world about Jesus's grace for them and how all Christians must submit to Jesus as their Lord or their master. You know, Jordan, the point is Christians should spread how to get saved through faith and then also spread how to remain on a godly path in order to one day receive the reward of serving Christ in his future millennial kingdom. Now in the next verse, verse 10, it says, for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. Now we see two components here again. Our faith or our belief in our heart is where we are considered purified from sin and receive everlasting life. Our works or our confession that come out of our mouth is where we will one day, because of that, receive a reward, and then we will be set apart among other Christians so that we can enter into the eternal or millennial age life. And then moving on, Jordan, Romans chapter 5, verse 1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Yes, to your point earlier, Andy, the phrase justified by faith is key here. And notice that phrase is also in the past tense. Remember the audience here. The Apostle Paul is speaking to Jews and Gentiles in the Roman church who were already saved. They had already been justified by faith in Jesus Christ's work on the cross. They had joined the family of people who have peace with God because of what Jesus did. Their spirit was saved once and for all. As for their soul, It was being saved in the sense of ongoing salvation, in the sense of ongoing sanctification. On a daily basis, they were working out their salvation, walking the Christian walk, resisting temptation, confessing sin, disciplining their mind and body in order to keep Jesus at the center of their lives. And this is the process for every believer. Once you have justification and peace with God, it's not over. Our Savior must go from Jesus to Lord to Christ, from prophet to priest to king. And your reward for living this faith, for doing what God intends for you to do, is to be able to enter Christ's kingdom one day and possibly even rule and reign with him. Very well said, Jordan. The best example I can think of is how Moses freed
2: the Jews from the Egyptian slavery. You remember that in the Old Testament? Yes. In Exodus? They applied the blood of the sacrificial lamb on their home's doorposts. And then Moses baptized them through the parting of the Red Sea when he brought them through. Then they finally made it to land, and then God gave Moses the law, and they received the law at Mount Sinai. And finally, they were to walk into the promised land and then set up shop so that they could worship God with a great reward that came along with it. However, we read a different story. We know that the majority chose not to enter into that promised land, even after all that God had provided for them prior. Now, we as Christians must learn from their mistakes and not repeat them. The promised land is a perfect type of where God eventually wants all Christians to faithfully walk into our, that's that's a sign of our works, how we walk into that promised land while we're here, still here on earth. And that promised land is a symbol of the thousand-year kingdom of heaven. Now, before we end this lesson, we would be remiss if we didn't ask this. Is this the first time you're hearing about the Romans' road? Would you like to go to the end of the road and become saved today? If so, you can repeat after me a simple prayer that I'm about to share with everyone. But first, please understand, the words alone won't save you. This is not some kind of magical incantation. Please don't think that. You can't do anything to be saved, and that includes just saying the words out loud. Salvation cannot be earned in any way, but it can only be accepted understand what we're being saved from, and understand who is giving us that salvation. We accept the free gift that God gave to us in the form of Jesus Christ. That's right, it's really simple. All you need to do to be saved is to believe in your heart that Jesus died for your sins and rose again. That's it. If you do believe that, then repeat after me now. Father God, I know that I am not perfect and never can be, I know I deserve to be separate from you for eternity. I've sinned, and sin deserves punishment. But I also know in my heart that Jesus Christ died for me. I know that he paid the price for me so that I can be with you when I die or when the rapture comes. With your help, I want to make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life from this day forward. Thank you, Father God, for the gift of your Son and this gift of eternal life. In Jesus' name, we pray these things together.
1: Amen. 20 new believers who just said that prayer, congratulations, praise God, and welcome to the family. Please start reading the Bible regularly and talking to God often through prayer. That's the best way to grow in your new faith. Please also find a church to help you continue growing. Of course, we're also here to help with these 20-minute Bible studies. Before we go, don't forget, we want to hear from you, even if you don't agree with what you heard today. Just give us a call and leave a message. Our number is 908-271-6717. If you ask a good question or make a good point, we may even put you on the show. Once again, our number is area code 908-271-6717.
2: So until next time, we leave you with the words of the Apostle Paul. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus
0: Christ. Thanks for joining us for another 20-minute Bible study. Special thanks to the family of Pastor Gary T. Whipple. Our music was recorded by the Abundant Life Worship Center. Our sound editor is J.P. Eli. I'm Steve Zioli, and until next time, may the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Observed Mysteries of the Kingdom Incorporated.